Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Iris Matters. Today, I have none other than Lauren Hansen, CEO of Iris MLS, here to join us today. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Lauren is a woman that in this area really needs no introduction, but for those of you who don't know who she is, Lauren, as I said, is the CEO of Iris MLS, but she has been in the industry since, uh, I want to say, the early 1990s. Is that correct, Lauren? Actually, 1981. So this is my 40th year, believe it or not. Oh my goodness. Congratulations. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to chat with you today is bringing 40 years of experience to the table, having been through so many changes in the industry, you must have a very interesting perspective on how things have been and where things are going. So I wanted to, to pick your brain on a few things and share that with our listeners. Before Lauren joined Iris as the CEO, she was the executive officer of the Estes Park Board of Realtors and then executive director for the Tri-City Services Regional MLS. So that served Fort Collins, Greeley, and Loveland, and that eventually merged into the larger regional MLS that we're now familiar with, Iris. Lauren, can you tell me about how you first got into the field of real estate and then later continued into the MLS industry? It was quite serendipitous. I lived in Estes Park and there aren't a lot of jobs that are outside of the tourism and service industry. It was an ad in the local paper that talked about the executive officer position of the Board of Realtors. And I was brought up as a child believing that I could do whatever I wanted to do. So I, uh, I applied for the job and interviewed, and um, fortunately, I got the job. And, and it was literally a dream job. It was uh, 20 hours a week. I had Rocky Mountain National Park in, as my backdrop, and there were about 50 members at the time. And I didn't know straight up about a board of realtors or an MLS, but like I said, I just kind of went into it headlong and loved the job, did that for, I guess it was a little bit over 10 years. Wonderful. And what brought you to segue into the MLS industry from that job? It was an MLS that was operated by the board. And I, this is when I start to sound like a pioneer woman or that I need to be using a walker at all times. The MLS system, multiple listings were handled manually. So it was tracked on one of those ledger sheets that's different shades of green that was really long. And it was all done on paper. In other words, this, I had a typewriter in the office, but I, it was pre-computer. And actually I taught them into getting a computer so that I could move it from paper to at least a database that was online. And that's where I really fell in love with the industry because I had off the shelf database software and designed the MLS system, which, you know, I don't want to make it sound like it's, it doesn't equate to what we enjoy today. This was an internal admin tool, but it allowed me to track all the properties and create reports. And that's when I fell in love with computers and databases. And I've been a database geek ever since. So I was the executive officer of the board of realtors. 
but we also operated our own MLS system. So that's where I cut my teeth on MLS. So really creating sort of a prototype with the new technology. And then as things moved forward with technology, it sounds like it opened up a lot of avenues for the MLS to start to become what it is today. And I think that's one of the things that just working with you, I'm a a manager here at Iris, and I've had the pleasure of working with Lauren for the last nearly two years. And it's been an interesting two years. We've had a lot of things to adapt to. and, And I think I've seen a lot of your ability to you know, take new information and adapt. So that seems to be something that has been really continuous throughout your career is that ability to see opportunities in new technology and and, and really be open to those things. And I'm, I'm curious, I know that you're an artist and I wonder if that has helped you to have that sort of forward thinking approach that, that you've expressed throughout your career. I believe so. You could call me an artist or a creative. I think what it affords me is the opportunity to look at things from very different angles. My focus in college was sculpture. So I'm a 3D girl. I'm not a painter. I certainly can draw, but I like 3D. So I look at situations or products or new entrants from a 3D perspective. It's a habit that I try to always employ. You know, I think it's so fascinating how different people perceive the world in different ways and they bring their own unique perspectives to that. So absolutely has to be such a key piece to to some of your successes that you've had and your ability to do that. So I think that's fascinating. And and some of that too is filtering out the noise. And sometimes when a new idea or a new entrant or new software offering comes on the market, you have to kind of sit back and ask, what does this mean? How does it impact the brokerage community, the consumers, the MLS? And is it noise? Is it real? Is it a flash in the pan? And that's not always evident. It's not. And and I think there have been a lot of times when Technology has developed in the last 10, 20 years where we all thought it was going to go one way and it went another. So, you know, everything from the music industry to how we how we consume media these days is just constantly changing. So that's that's a huge ability to differentiate. Right. Um, Mobile phone is probably at the top of the list of who knew that this device that would go from what used to look like a brick that you would have in your car to a flip phone to this computer that you hold in your hand that has much more power than my first two or three computers combined and how rarely we make phone calls with it. With the percentage of time that we use it, phone calls are on the lower end of the scale. One of the things I'd love to hear about is how it is that you continue to learn in order to stay on top of the things that are within the scope of of your role and your oversight. I think it's about remaining. I think vulnerability is a really good trait to have, Uh, admitting that you don't have all the answers and being open to different sources. I like to read Inc. Magazine, Fast Company. I listen to a variety of podcasts. Keeping your ear to the ground within the industry and also, I think, a healthy perspective outside of the industry. The first 
Inman conference that I attended, I thought a lightning bolt was going to come out of the sky because they were talking about the disintermediation of brokers and realtors. And when, when you attend exclusively NAR meetings, that kind of language isn't used. But boy, my first Inman conference, I was, my head was spinning. It was amazing. That's that's really interesting. And what was it that made Inman so different? Just the, the angle that they were coming at the industry from? The fact that it, it is outside of the realtor family. So most of the conferences and input that I was receiving were from associations, be it state or national level, or even from our region. And when you get outside of that club, and you have someone who doesn't have that same alliance and is willing to bring up the difficult questions and make the statements that are frankly revolutionary. It, it, it's a really healthy perspective to say, huh, well, what about that? Is, is that someone who is trying to, I call it gas in a match? Is this someone who is just trying to stir things up or is this real? And balancing that with all of the other information and input you receive. Yes, and I think it's really easy if if we're only getting our information from, you know, within a specific group or industry to become an echo chamber or for there to be too many yes men and just trying to say, you know, whatever is popular and and having having the ability to have discourse I think is something that may be a skill that's being challenged these days, but something that, you know, I would be interested other ways you may have invited that throughout the years so that you could continue to develop more understanding and a broader perspective. I think Getting smarter people in the room is always a good idea and challenging your assumptions. And, and that applies to business and a personal level of get outside of that box in that comfort zone and examine because consumers are outside of that box by definition. So if, if we are out of touch with what the direction that consumers are going or their demands and expectations then there would be a huge disconnect with the MLS specifically uh, if, if we weren't paying attention to like the advent of going from one black and white photo. Again, I'm going to sound like a pioneer woman, but one black and white photo to a collection of color photos that you're able to filter through like a carousel to virtual tours to 3D models and the dollhouse model of a property and tours on demand. I mean, just in the graphic representation of a home, and then you add floor plans and uploaded documents, the graphical and the visual representation of properties has changed dramatically. And I know that's that's one thing that I saw come into the MLS this year was uh, your partnership with Flowplan, which was actually being able to walk through a house with your cell phone and upload a floor plan, which is just, to me, it even seems a little sci-fi-like. Exactly. Well, and, and the impetus behind that, one of the things that we did was a user poll to see if we were on, and this is a great way that our system allows us to touch base with our users, is are you interested in this? Do you think this is important? And we just kind of do a, a quick 
yes, no, or very much so, or not at all, so that we get a feel for it. That was one of the most compelling results that we had from one of our user polls that said, yes, very interested. So then we pursued it. What motivated that was a webinar that I attended where there was a gentleman from Australia and he talked about the fact that, and now I'm not gonna get the percentages right, but the majority of properties, I wanna say 80 or 90% of the property listings had floor plans. And in the United States, it was somewhere in the range of five to 10%. And that's when I kind of fold my arms over my chest and think, huh, wonder if we could improve that in our market. And what are the opportunities to do that? And uh, FBS and Flowplan were fortunately open to it because since we're a homegrown system, we're a unique animal, but we're also in some ways an easy animal to deal with because we control our destiny rather than we have to bring along 500,000 other users across the United States and our proprietary system. Which I think is one of the things that has been a choice that has allowed Iris to stand out in some ways and probably a choice that some people question at times is, is, is that proprietary software and the development of that. So can you tell me a little bit more about why you decided to go that direction and if you think it's, it's the right answer for the future too? We'll have to go back to the Wayback Machine because we launched Iris's in 2001 so we've got quite the track record the short story of why that happened is we were at the end of our contract with a national vendor we used the maestro system that was part of there was boreas and there was norwest and uh, anyway we've we've been kind of through a litany or i have been through a litany of vendors and as we neared contract end we were investigating meaning myself our cto actually our isp there's a, another dating thing, but our ISP provider and our leadership all attended the National Association of Realtors um, annual conference. And we went to the expo hall to take a look at the various systems that were out there. And we kind of had our own laundry list of what we wanted and what we maybe more importantly knew was possible because integration was an odd word. and not all systems were open to holding hands and weaving together the various components that are available, such as public records or photo display and everything else. Anyway, the long and short of it was we didn't find what we were looking for and knew was possible. And that's when the company that developed Kahlo Property, which had launched in 1998 and had already kind of done a proof of concept for us, they approached us and said, you know, I bet we could build an MLS system. And uh, <laughs> that was a process, but that's precisely the, the direction we went. It was RealGo, who we subsequently acquired our development company, and also Pacific Meridian was the name of the company that handled mapping. And that was one of the components that we could envision is that listings and mapping belonged together. And so we built the system from the ground up and 
launched it in 2001. So you wanted it all. You wanted your cake and you wanted to eat it too and you found a way to make it happen. Uh, that's an interesting way to put it. Yes. I think that that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, we've talked a lot about adaptation and I mean, you really set, set it up to, to be adaptable. And I think it's continued to be able to meet needs and integrate with, with all these different providers. And, and that's been interesting. And I think very good for most of our, our subscribers. One other motivating factor that just came to mind is that uh, I attended a seminar where the speaker posed a question to the audience. And so this is in, must have been late 1990s. Again, I'm dating myself, but that's who I am. He asked, how many times do you think you enter the address of the property from the moment that you take the listing to the closing? And, you know, a few hands went up and a few guesses went around the room 47 times. And I really latched on to that. I thought, number one, in the age of computers, that's silly. So one of our kind of overarching themes of Iris is has always been integration and leveraging the information that we have, like in our contracts, as an example, if, if you've entered your contacts, your clients, then we're going to auto-populate those forms. If you enter the MLS number, we already know the address. You don't have to enter it again. And that is, I mean, now that's an expected way that an MLS should behave. But at the time, if you did a CMA, you would enter the address. If you did a search, you would enter the address or search it in another way. But it, it just leveraging the information you have and integrating it throughout the various tentacles that reach out from the property is how it should be. It really allowed for a lot of streamlining and uh, saved time, which is everybody knows time is one of those commodities. Exactly. Lauren, what is something that about you that most people who are familiar with your career would not know? Most probably don't realize that I am an artist at heart. And I, it's one of those pursuits that I can't not do. I generally have I'd say a minimum of five projects going at a time, and it can be anything from a, well, I, I'm kind of a multimedia, mixed media is where I've landed, but I do a lot of different, dabble in a lot of different things. I Probably my biggest accomplishment was a four foot by, I think it's 13 feet long mosaic in at my house. So it's in the garden level, which is usually you look out at a cement wall or a cement box. And I got a wild hair and just decided to put a mosaic on it. And I'm glad I did. And I think I got a chance to see that. It may have still been in process. I don't know if I ever saw the finished product, but it was beautiful. It was quite the project, but I, and it took me two different summers because I had to stop in roughly September because it, uh, you can't use grout in all of everything that you do if you're dealing with freezing temperatures. So I had to do it over two summers, but um, that was a good thing too, because it gave me time to step back and like an artist does with a painting and see what I wanted to change or add. 
yeah, it, it being a being able to be just sort of in love with the process, which I think can bleed over into many, many different pieces of life, whether it's relationships or career or any of that. So yeah, I think that's interesting. I, I agree. I think most people probably don't realize that when they, they meet you as a as an executive. I get my fingers dirty, believe me. <laughs> it's a Not good trait. only in art, but also in gardening. That's uh, <laughs> that's my other passion. And that's, yeah, again, a, another expressive, but also like it's, it's a process-oriented thing, which I think we see again and again in, in the other ways that your career has, has flourished. Lauren, what do most people misunderstand about your field of work? I think on a broad scale, most people around the country have no idea and are shocked that there are over 500 MLSs around the country. We're, we're a pretty unique little niche organization and group of organizations around the country, but most consumers don't think about the MLS. They relate to public-facing sides and third-party sites that are available to them, Realtor.com as an example, that that's where they, they think that the information is coming from them rather than from local databases like MLSs. I would agree with that. I mean, before I joined the industry, I would have had absolutely no idea. And still, when I speak to people, there's, there's usually a, an explanation period of even what the MLS is, and it's it's pretty pivotal. Yep. And I think we have done a better job of late helping not only our subscribers, but I hope it's starting to bleed over into the consumer about what the MLS is and that we're where the marketplace happens. And it's not that we want credit for that, but we want people to understand that the foundation of the MLS promotes competition and cooperation and it's relied upon by not only brokers, sellers, buyers, but also the appraisal industry and creating valuations, which then leads into the mortgage market. And it is really a, a paramount element of our entire economy and the American dream. And I think that's another thing a lot of people don't realize is is how the North American, American MLS industry is so different from how it is in most of the international community. We sort of take its benefits for granted. Exactly. And and I'm not familiar part and parcel with how others operate, but I know that the MLS in the United States is unique and Canada. Lauren who has been your biggest supporter, mentor, or role model over the course of your career? Oh my goodness. I am going to have to point to my father, who was a brilliant businessman, an avid reader, taught me the meaning of unconditional love. Yeah, is that too sappy? But I mean, truly, it, it was um, it was the foundation that I can do whatever I choose to do. Having a foundation that lets you trust yourself is paramount. So that's, that is wonderful. Uh, Lauren, something else that I wanted to know about, what is something that you are most proud of personally from your career so far? Boy, there have been a few moments. I mean, launching a homegrown system, <laughs> I, I don't know if I've never really had a full-blown panic attack, but I think I was on the cusp of that because as I told the development companies, this has got to work. 
This is not a recipe site where we're going to exchange the best way to make lasagna or an apple pie. This is their business. This is 24 seven, it's gotta work. And when it launched and it worked, huh, I, uh, that, that, was, that was a moment, that was a big deal. I would also say one of my, although was it perfect? No. And did it evolve? Absolutely. And were there areas where we could improve? Sure. But that's to be expected with a system that you design and launch on your own. I think one of my proudest moments actually was being invited to the headquarters of the National Association of Realtors to teach a customer service class, which was developed as part of the CMLS, the Council of MLS education process for CMLX, which is their designation. But anyway, I, I helped develop that course and Katie Johnson, the general counsel of NAR, happened to attend and invited me to come to Chicago and teach their department the same class. And I was honored and it was a blast and I love that class. It's fun to do. Customer service has been just paramount to how how you have looked at this company. I mean, just having worked for you, I know that and I've seen that. And yeah, that's that's a wonderful thing to be invited to and, and for people to see the value in what you're bringing there. But I think another thing a lot of people don't know about is your engagement and your involvement in CMLS. And is that something that you'd be willing to expand on just a little bit? Sure. Iris was a member of CMLS, the Council of MLS, for many years. I attended and was an observer and wallflower for many years. And then I was asked to run for the board of directors and lo and behold, uh, went up the ranks and was president of CMLS in, I guess it was 2017. And it was, that was a healthy experience because we went from an all volunteer board. So all of our the board of directors served on committees and work groups and handled the business end of things and such to an organization that hired a CEO and staff. And I traversed that evolution of the organization. And it was not only exciting to see it grow in that manner, but it was also really healthy to be on the flip side of how I look at my chairman of the board or chairperson of the board. How am I operating as the CEO? Because the CEO of CMLS was, I was her primary customer as the president of the organization. So it, it was really good to see it from both sides, I guess. And look at my own shortcomings and how can I improve and what is the easiest way. And I, I sometimes almost, I hope I spoil our directors by making their job as streamlined as possible. Here's the information that I have gone through. Here's my recommendation, or here's the background, or here's a link to more information so that you feel plugged into the organization without getting a 47-page document every other day, because the operation of the MLS is up to me. The direction, the goals, the aspirational concepts is up to the leadership. What is it you want us to do? And then I'll take it from there and we'll carry it out. Once again, that that ability to 
step in different shoes and develop new perspectives, allowing you to honestly be better at what you do. I think one of the things I keep seeing as a sort of a thread throughout is, you know, you're a gardener personally, and you've helped Iris to grow. And I think that's something that you have brought to the table over and over again is that ability to nurture and grow things as they change over time. I'm curious what your advice would be that you would give to someone else pursuing a career path similar to your own. Considering that I landed in it without knowing anything, I don't know that I have a great answer except that it has become, the MLS world has become much more sophisticated, much more technical, much more litigious. So it would probably center around educate yourself, take advantage of the resources available on so many different levels and be a sponge. While speaking about, you know, changes and, and things coming up, one of the things that is coming down the pipeline is that, you know, you're going to be stepping down as CEO at Iris and someone else will be stepping into your shoes. And I know around the office, a lot of us have said several times that, you know, you have some big shoes to fill. I would also like to know what advice would you give to that next person to fill the position as CEO at Iris? Well, number one, you know, 40 years is enough, I think. And I, just so we allay the rumors, I am not being asked to step down. I am not in a unhealthy position where I have to do it. This is my choice. And I think it's truly best for the company and the organization that fresh blood, fresh ideas come into the game at this point in time. I think probably my biggest I don't know if it's concern or advice or uh, pay attention to the company culture because we have fostered that and I hope it doesn't change radically, at least in the short term, if not the long term, that we truly care about our subscribers and we want to remain positive rather than, and, and you know this, Annie, one of the one of my mottos is tell them what they can have rather than no, don't, won't, shouldn't, all of the negative that we encounter everywhere. Let's tell them what they can have. So even if, if a subscriber is requesting something that we don't provide, there is a way to word that where you're still giving them a yes. And I hope that continues. And I, I can't attest to that. That's something that I think has also been a piece of that adaptability and staying on that that forward edge of where things are moving is is you're listening and you're you're trying to make people happy and make their lives better and create a strength in the economy. And I think that is part of your legacy. And I hope I hope to see that continue as well. I am curious as well, Lauren, what, if anything, do you have planned for your next chapter? Well, probably no surprise based on our previous conversation. I am planning to volunteer at a local arts center in uh, Boulder, and uh, it's called Art Parts Creative. It's a really cool concept where if you're familiar with Restore, which is like Habitat for humanity, household goods, and maybe even some building supplies or paint or furnishings and stuff like that. It's that, but it's art supplies. 
And the very first time that I walked in that place, I thought I died and went to heaven. It is just, it's fabulous. So I'm very interested in that. And as you know, Annie, I've also been a foster for the local humane society. And I have a dog that I adopted from a rescue in Cheyenne. And uh, I'm thinking, don't tell, but I'm thinking he may need company eventually. So after I retire, I'll probably get a second dog so that they can, you know, when you've got one, two's not completely, I've had two dogs in the past before. So that's another goal and garden like crazy and a little bit of travel here and there. But um, I, it's not that I'm, I've got a, another job lined up that I'm going to. I'll just uh, take a deep breath for a while. And you never know where one thing will lead to another. And just kind of like this, this career has been a bit serendipitous and then also engaged with personal talents and skills, but you just never know what will happen as, as things unfold. So that, that all sounds wonderful. And I suspect that uh, those who are in the real estate uh, industry and community will, this will not be the end of them hearing from you, whether that's your plan or not, I, I wouldn't be surprised. So. Um, I do have one final question. I know we need to wrap it up here shortly, Lauren, but just looking at things from where you've come from and looking forward, uh, where do you think that the MLS industry is headed? Uh, there are a lot of challenges on the horizon and on our plate right now as an industry. I think that we are being interpreted from the outside looking in rather than the inside looking out. What we need to do a better job of, hopefully through the brokerage community, is helping consumers understand what the MLS does, be transparent about the services that brokers offer. We need to be transparent. We need to maintain cooperation and competition. I think that the legal challenges that are in front of us right now will likely change the face of the MLS, but to what extent, I don't know. But we need to collectively be better advocates for what we already have and take for granted. And I think that would, that would benefit many. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Lauren. I have really enjoyed this conversation. And I know that it's just really a scratch on the surface and there's so many stories and details that that could be shared, but I, I really appreciate you sharing your experience with us today. Thank you again for joining us today on Iris Matters podcast brought to you by coloproperty.com. <laughs>